Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. What I'm going to talk about tonight is quitting. And you know, and I have seen an element this last weekend of people who just would not quit. You know, they sat, you know, in a tent for nine months. They've endured everything that they've gone through. They couldn't get progress going on a building because, you know, as soon as they turn around, it was FEMA giving them a hard time, their insurance giving them a hard time, the rain's coming, you know, all kinds of things happening, but they did not quit. So we're going to talk about quitting. And nobody ever intends to quit when it comes to the things of God. We never intend to. But, you know, I know they've said over the years, you know, that in ministry, one of the biggest temptations for any minister is the temptation to quit. And I think that probably can be said of just, just walking the life of a believer. You know, if we're not careful, the temptation to quit will sneak up on you. Even when you least expect it, when you're not even looking for it, you just, it's just something we kind of sometimes just want to kind of slide into. You know, just kind of unawares. But you know what? You, we don't, you don't have to be a quitter. God didn't bring you into his family. His family is not known as a quitter. And you are not a quitter. You might quit, but you are not a quitter. Remember this. God did not create you to be a quitter on anything, on any level. The only things we're going to quit in this life are the things we should quit. We should quit serving the devil. We should certainly quit living like the rest of the world. We should quit having our own opinions about things. We should quit trying to have our own way about things. You know, we should, there's a lot of things we should quit. But when it comes to serving God, we should never quit. I, I found this scripture you know, over in Joshua. And it says, here's a man who demonstrated a no-quit attitude. Joshua 24. 24 Verse 15, and you know it, you know it well. Look at it. Dun, 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 dun. There we go. Joshua 24. And the, the fact is that Joshua demonstrates something that we should all demonstrate. Just the last part of chapter 24, verse 15, he says, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, that right there shows a man who's determined. That, may, that shows me a man who is not going to change his mind. That shows me a man who's not going to let anything get in his way. That shows me a man who's not going to let anything defeat him. As far as Joshua's concerned, as for me and my house, you know, I can't do anything about somebody else's journey. I can't do anything about somebody else's attitude or somebody else's reaction or somebody else's response to a given situation. But as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. And that's what Joshua was saying. As for me, this is the decision I have made. And then you go over and you look at Paul over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. He says, I determined not to know anything but Christ and him crucified. You have to make a determination in this life when you start the journey that along the way you will not quit. There is a place for saying, 
as far as me and my, me and my house, I, we will serve the Lord. And then just like Paul, I determined not to know anything but Christ and him crucified. You know what? When you determine not to know anything but Christ, that is your guarantee that you'll never quit. But somehow we lose sight of those kind of things. We lose sight of that in the middle of all of our daily lives and all the things that are going on. We kind of we lose it. But you know, it takes a complete commitment, just like Paul, just like Joshua. It takes a complete commitment to the things of God to stay focused and to stay on track in the things of God and the plan of God for your life. Hallelujah. It takes a prayer of consecration prayed on a regular basis. You know, you don't, this, I am sure that this is not something that Joshua said just one time. I'm sure it's not something that Paul said just one time. I'm sure it was something they both said regularly. And you and I need to make sure that on a regular basis, we consecrate ourselves to the plan of God, to the will of God, and to the life of God, and, and just living as we ought to live Every single day. I appreciate the fact that Pat Harrison told a story when I was at a ladies' conference a few years ago, and she was the guest speaker about Dad Hagen, about how once a year he would, he would go to the Lord, and he would sit down and say, okay, Lord, this is, this is what I've been doing. And as far as I can see, this is what I, I, you, know, you have in store for me to do. Tell me, what do I need to change? Is there something I need to change? Is there something I need to do differently? This was a man who lived a life of consecration, he, these, these are the times when he would say, now, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Not my plans, but your plans. That's what I want. And that's what consecration is all about. You know, we know there are places you don't, you don't put if it's your will. When it comes, Lord, heal me if it's your will. Now, no, 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 no. That's not where you put that term. But I'm telling you what, when it comes to the plan of God and the, and the next step you take for your life, you have to always say, not my will, but yours. Because when it's his will that's being done, when it's his will that you're walking in, there's not the temptation to quit. But when you and I start walking in our own path and our own plans, we're suddenly in a place where God's grace and God's anointing and God's favor and God's ability and God's provision don't reach us like it should. You can have your plan if you want. You have a right to have your plan. Every, every person in here has a right to do as they choose. But the choice, the responsibility is on you to choose right. And the responsibility of you to walk out the plan of God is your choice. But God has a choice too. He's not responsible for the choices you make if you don't make the right choices. And so when we make the wrong choices, we basically quit on God. So anyway, before we get ahead of my help, myself here, you know, so I just kind of started looking at some things last week, you know, about why, you know, what, what happens when we, when we just quit? Well, mainly, and I, we're going to break this down to several categories, we're looking at the wrong things. We're looking at the wrong things. Our eyes are not where they ought to be. You know, in Hebrews it talks about looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. But, you know, when we look at something that's not Jesus anymore, then we're tempted to put ourselves in a place where quitting is a possibility. And so some of the things we can, we can look at here is looking at and depending on ourselves. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, trust not, we'll just go over there. You need to see it. 
You know it's you know it's so familiar, but you always need to see it. Proverbs chapter three verse five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. Lean not unto your own understanding. It didn't say, oh, well, you can trust in the Lord sometimes and you can do your own thing sometimes. No. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not part of your heart, but with all of your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. Well, if you're trusting in the Lord with all your heart, then you're, all the time you're not leaning to your own understanding. My own understanding has gotten me in trouble more times than I can count. Oh, my goodness. You know, and it's, it's after, you know, it's all said and done and the dust has settled and the storm has cleared. I just look and go, how could you be so dumb? I mean, really, you know better than that. And yeah, so many times I've put myself in a spot where, you know, it just seemed like it was just not worth it anymore. It just, you know, just, just forget it. Just forget it. Just forget it. We've all been there. But you know what? Over in Romans 12, 3, it says, it talks about the grace that's given to me. Deuteronomy 8, 18 says to remember that it's he who gives you power to get wealth. You know, it's not us. We are not some dynamic, you know, some, so-and-so. I mean, you know, we're just not. You know, sometimes you, we don't seem to understand that the, the talents and abilities that seem, well, I do, I'm just naturally gifted that way. No, you're not. No, you're not. What you think is your natural gifting was something God put in there the day you were conceived. It has never been about you. It has always from the, the moment egg and sperm came together and began to multiply into two cells, it's always been what God has put in you. It has nothing to do with you and what you think you can do on your own. Philippians 3.13, Paul said, I count myself not to have apprehended. So we've got to keep things in line here. I can't count on me. I can count on him. And... Zechariah 4, verse 6, it says, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's not God. You're, you're the hands and the feet and the voice of God on this earth, but it's his hands. It's him working through you. It's him speaking through you. It's him working in you and through you that gets the job done that gets you to, to your life into a place where he desires for it to be, that he's planned for it to be. Just remember that. Um, over in Revelation, it's, you know, it talks about the fact that it's talking to this church, and it said, you know, he's given them, giving them you know, kind of a rundown of what they had done wrong, where they had, where they had missed the mark. And he says, it's because you've left your first love. You know, sometimes we get, we get in, into, the, into the family of God and you know, things are rocking along really good and then we begin to, as it says over in uh, Romans 12 again, to begin to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Ministers do that a lot of times. Is, is the grace and the anointing on them to do the ministry that they're doing Somehow they, they seem to think that I can just work this up any old time. Well, you can, but there's not going to be an anointing on it. Some people are so charismatic, 
you know, that it seems as though there's an anointing on it, but when you really check in here, you find out that's just all flesh. That's not God anymore. Many's the minister who failed by the way, fell by the wayside because they suddenly began to think of themselves more highly, that somehow it was just all them instead of relying on God, you know, for what was coming, at, coming into their lives. Sometimes we, we, we have a tendency to look at our own shortcomings. If there's, listen, you look at your own shortcomings is not a great thing. You have to be realistic with yourself and know where your weaknesses are and where your strengths are. Yes, you need to do something to shore up those places where you're weak and thank God where you're strong. But listen, to rehearse your shortcomings over and over and over and over and over and over to yourself will get you to a place where you're so discouraged that you can't see straight. Listen, God knows your shortcomings better than you do because sometimes we're not realistic enough with ourselves that we can look in the mirror and honestly say, yeah, you got a problem with that. Mm-hmm. There have been lots of times when I didn't want to admit that I have an, I have an issue here. You know, when I have a husband who will point, who'll say, oh, maybe you better think about that. Maybe you, maybe you better take a, take a little look at that. I'm going, yeah, well, you know, okay. You know what that means? That means absolutely nothing most of the time. <laughs> when somebody says to you, well, we'll see, that means nothing. That means they're going to do nothing about it, absolutely nothing. But, you know, God's not interested in you rehearsing your shortcomings to him. He's not interested in you rehearsing your shortcomings to yourself. You know who is interested? The devil's the one who's interested. If he can convince you that you don't measure up, that you don't matter, that you're not worth God's time, that you're not worth anything to anybody else, then what's the use? I might as well just quit. That's where we find ourselves sometimes. And God knew you, and he knows you still. And he's already thought you were worth something. And he's already said to himself and to you through the word that you can do anything he asks you to do. That you can do anything. You can have a wonderful life. That you can be the child of God that he's intended for you to be. That you can enjoy things of this life that he wants you to have. That there is no limits to what you can do as long as you're hooked up with him. So don't look at yourself more highly than you ought. And yet don't look at yourself more lowly than you ought. So then there is looking at at, uh, our accomplishments. We kind of said that a minute ago. In Romans 12, 3, again, it says, there's grace given to me. James 4, 6, and, and 1 Peter 5, 5 says, he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Pride can get you in trouble. Pride can get you in trouble. You know, we've, we've always gone, well, pride goes before destruction. That's not what that verse says. If you go back and look at it, Proverbs 16, 18, it says, pride goes before destruction. It doesn't say it goes before a fall. Pride goes before a fall. No, it says pride goes before destruction. I think I just messed that up a minute ago, didn't I? But anyway, it says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride has gotten more people in trouble. Gotten more people in trouble. And they have quit because their pride got them in trouble. Quit. Quit the things of God. Quit the plan that God had for their lives. Then there are times that people look at just natural things. 
You know, over in Numbers 13, 33, you know, they sent the spies into the land. Ten of them came back with reports of land that flows with milk and honey. You know, there's an abundance of, of, of fruits and things in, in the land, but there are giants in the land, and we are like grasshoppers to them. Well, now, that's all well and good if you say, I'm, I'm like a grasshopper to this thing that's in my life, as long as you follow it up with, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't matter how big something seems. The, the bigness is on my side because the bigness I have is God who works me. See, they never could see that, and because of that, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. You've got to stop looking at the natural side of things. God's not inhibited. He's not struggling with natural things. He's not overwhelmed by natural things. He says, you can do it. He intends for you to do it. If you go with me to the story over in uh, uh, 2 Kings, 2 Kings 6, Here's a good example, you know, of, of things that we do sometimes. And, and, we're, and we're tempted just to throw up our hands and just, just go, oh, it can't, nothing, no, it's not going to work, it's just not going to work, it's not going to happen, I can't do this, I can't do this. Just like this, this servant of Elisha's did. Um, Elisha is here and these, these, this whole army has come to where Elisha is and... Let's see, let's start in verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and had gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I can just see him wringing his hands. Oh, what are we going to do? I mean, there's a whole army out here. They've come to get us. Well, they've come to get you, but because I'm with you, you're going to get me too. It's probably what he's thinking. And Elisha answered him and said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than, th that, than they that be with him. I am sure Gehazi looked at him and went, What are you talking about? What, what do you mean there's more with us? Uh, I count two. One, two. How is that more than all those guys? You know? And in verse 17, And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Whoa. Don't you wish sometimes God would just open your eyes so you could see the angels that are in camp around about you? There are angels all around you all the time. You know, and we fail to see sometimes the things we ought to see because we're looking with these eyes and not looking with the eyes of our heart. We're not looking to see what God has provided for us. What he's, he's, he's given his angels charge over us. He's laid out a path before us. He's made our, the, the narrow way wide. He's made the crooked path straight. That there's a plan that the next step is all I need to do. It's all I need to know. It's all I need to take. It's just the next step. 
You know, we just need to start looking with our spiritual eyes instead of these natural things. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, he says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Stop looking at the circumstances. Stop looking at the situation. Stop looking at the problems. Because when you just can constantly focus on those things, you're likely to throw in the towel. And God doesn't want you to throw in the towel. I'm preaching this for somebody tonight. Sometimes you don't always know who's ready to quit and give up. But God does. That's why on a night like tonight, God's talking to you. Amen. Romans 4 verse 19 said, Abraham considered not. So you've got to stop considering all these things. And you've got to start considering the right things. You've got to start considering what God has said. Consider what God has promised. Has he ever promised something that he didn't come through, through on? God is faithful. He was faithful yesterday. He's faithful today. He'll be faithful tomorrow. It doesn't matter what the date on the calendar is. It doesn't even matter what the hour on the clock says. He's still faithful. He's going to remain faithful. I mean, there's there's so many opportunities we have, you know, to look at the natural things, the wrong things. Moses looked at himself and he said, but I can't speak. I mean, I can't go, I can't go in there to Pharaoh. Who am I? You know, who am I to go in there and tell them that we're going to, I'm going to take these people out of this land. I mean, I'm, I'm just a nobody. I can't speak. I can't. God says, you go. I'll provide. God's always telling you, you go. I'll provide. You just don't worry about it. You just walk with me. You just stay with me. Everything's going to be fine. Everything is fine. Then there are times that we look at people instead of God. Hmm. Lord, how many times have I seen that over the years? You know, I'm, I'm thinking of lots of instances, lots of, lots of different times where, where I can see that, that somebody was disappointed and they quit serving God because of another person, because somebody let them down. Listen, I, I mentioned the scripture a few minutes ago in Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, not looking unto any other person, except in the, in the instance like when Paul said, be followers of me, even as I am a follower of Christ. That's when you look at people, when you can be a follower of someone who's following Christ. You have to know people by their fruit. Amazing to me that people just don't recognize, okay, if the fruit of this person's life is good, I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's safe. If their fruit's not good, no, you don't do that. And, and honestly, TV preachers, you don't know what the fruit of their life is. I'm sorry, you don't. They can sound good on a TV program. They can sound good on a CD. They can sound good on an iPod. They can sound good on a podcast. They can sound good on, on whatever the media is, but do, what do you know about their lives? That's why God puts pastors in your lives, so that you can follow them, because you can see their fruit from day to day, from week to week, from year in to year out. And I know there are pastors who fall. 
And I know there are pastors who fall and cause people to fall. Listen, if a pastor falls, you should be sorry for him. You should pray for him. You should ask God to help him. But it should not change your following of God. Should not change. You might have to change churches depending on what the situation is. But it should not change your determination to follow God and to follow the plan of God for your life and to keep serving him. It does not give you the option to say, well, this Christianity business is no good because look at what he did. Look at what she did. No, you are just as likely to make the same mistake. But I do know there are plenty of people who have quit serving God because another, another minister has fallen or because another Christian has behaved in such a way that it caused um, them to lose confidence in the Christian walk. Listen, your walk with God should be so strong that whatever another person does or does not do does not hinder you. Does not hinder you. People quit all the time because of that. We've heard story after story, you know, over the years of somebody who, well, so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that, and, and I'm never darkening the door of a church again. I've seen churches where, you know, there was, Lord, I, I remember a church years ago that the pastor and, and his wife got into a power struggle is basically what it was, and the church then had to take sides against Okay, I'm choosing him, I'm choosing her. The whole thing just fell apart. It was horrible. And there were a lot of people who left that church and never darkened the door of a church again. Sad. It's sad. And yet you and I can't just say, well, I can behave however I want because it shouldn't, it shouldn't, I shouldn't be the excuse anybody uses to not serve God. Well, you shouldn't be, but sometimes we are. And we should live, we have the responsibility to live a life so pleasing to God that we never bring reproach to the kingdom of God and give that opportunity to a person to say, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I, I, this Christianity business is just, you know, just a bunch of just talk. Nobody ever really lives up to it. But, you know, there are people who quit because of that. So sometimes we're looking at the wrong things. Um, Hebrews 6.12, go with me there. I had all these notes from last week and today I added more. I wrote them in and so my handwriting is not nearly as good as the typed out version. So who do we follow? Hebrews 6.12, you know, Paul has already said, follow me as I follow Christ. And here he, again he says in verse 12, he says, but, but followers be not slothful, but be followers of them through faith and patience inherit the promises. You need to follow people who produce, who actually produce something good. The Message Bible says it like this. Be like those who stay the course with committed faith and then get everything promised to them. Look at people. And see what, what, what's going on in their lives. You can be followers of that. You do, there are times we need, to have, we need to have examples before us. Be an example to others and be, and be ready, you know, to let them know that this is, 
you know, you don't have to quit. You and I have all, every last one of us in this whole room, I am sure have had times when we did not quit. When we could have, when the enemy was pushing us to quit, you don't know who was looking at you during those times. And the fact that you did not give up, the fact that you did not quit, encouraged them so when the time came that they were tempted to do the same thing, that they didn't quit. That's being the example. That's letting them follow your faith. That's letting them follow your patience. That's letting them see that just stick with the plan of God. Just stick with God. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Sometimes we get to the place where we're wanting to quit because situations have just worn us down. You know, I think sometimes, I think this is probably one of the things that that is uh, at the root of why some people don't get their healing is because the, the illness that they're enduring, the il- illness that they're having to stand against, wears them down. And you know, after time, a person, especially a person who's been in a lot of pain for a long time, you know, they just, they just get tired and they just give up. But no matter what the situation is, we don't have to give in to it. Just because it's been a long time, we've been standing for a long time, doesn't mean we have to, to have to quit. We have to give up. Ephesians 6, 13, having done all to stand, stand. Keep on standing. Just keep on standing. Galatians 6, 9 says, don't be weary in well-doing. Look at that one. Let's just, let's just take a quick look at that. Galatians. Galatians 6, verse 9. Hallelujah. Let us not be weary in well-doing. Why did Paul write that? Because he knew we'd be times we'd be faced with the weariness of well-doing. You know, it just seems like there are just times it's like, I'm just tired of this. I've said that before. Lord, I'm just so tired of this. I'm just so tired of it all. I'm so tired of standing. I'm so tired of having to do this. I'm so tired of of not seeing this. I'm so tired. You know what? He just tells us, don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Well, what's the due season? When God's got the plan in place. You know, sometimes we think we have to, there's just certain situations in our life that takes time, not because God's limited by time, but because this world is, is we live in a, in a place that is affected by time. And there are things that God wants to get to us to. He wants to place us into. He wants to, to move us into. He wants to bring to us. And it takes, it takes time in the natural realm to shift gears, to put everything in place, to, to make this move over here and this move over here and this move. Don't be weary in well-doing. Just keep doing what you're doing. Why? Because patience will win out. If you're just patient, you'll win. What did it say about, uh, in the Message Bible just a minute ago, about stay the course? Stay the course and then get everything you promised. Hebrews 6.12 says, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. 
Faith knowing that when I ask for it, it's mine, it's now. It's a now thing. I receive it by faith. My faith is right now. I receive it right now. Patience is waiting till you see it manifested. As far as God's concerned, it's done right now. And it should be, as far as you're concerned, done right now. But patience will keep you standing in that place until you can see it made manifest. It goes on in Hebrews and it talks about, or in James, it says that patience have her perfect work. How many people have been believing God for something and yet they compromised because they were just tired? They were just tired of standing. That's a measure of quitting, folks. It's a, it's, it's a quit is what it is. When you compromise in life, it's quit. You can call it whatever you want. It's quitting. God's got a plan. If you don't see the plan through and you settle for something else, you quit God's plan. How many people have married the wrong person because they weren't patient enough to wait for the right person? Mm-hmm. How many of you have, have wound up with something less in a particular area because you could, just couldn't wait? Just couldn't wait. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I was identifying with Brother Steve back there when he was talking about his, his hunting trip that he's going to get next year. Listen, during all that long building project, we sucked, we sucked lots of money into the building fund knowing that there would come a day, you know, when God would honor our putting our resources into his house by, by giving us a new house. And today I live in that new house. It's not a mansion, but it's a great house. It's the best house I've ever lived in. I walked through it. I mean, we came home from Panama City on Sunday or on Monday, and I was excited to drive up into my driveway and to go into my house, just thanking God for his faithfulness and his goodness. And, 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 and yet, we, could have, we, we, we almost compromised many times. And, you know, the fact is, I, was, I spent yesterday cleaning out my desk in, in, my, in the bedroom. I had... You know, there's just paperwork everywhere, receipts everywhere. You're just trying to make some sense out of it all. And, and I finally, at the end of the night, I had, done, had it done. And I had found a set of house plans that we were contemplating at one time. And I took him in the kitchen. I said, is there any reason to keep this? He goes, nah, we're never going to build that. And I said, this would never have worked like what we wound up with. He goes, nope, wouldn't have. I'm telling you what, there is a great joy in obtaining what God has got for you, the perfect thing that God has got for you. Are you glad you waited, Mark? Good answer. Good answer. That's right. Listen, when the right thing comes into your life, you'll be so happy you waited that you didn't quit that you didn't compromise along the way. You were sorely tempted many times in many opportunities at many turns to just throw up your hands and say, this, I, 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 I'll, just, I'll just take this. Sometimes we don't, we're not honest in the fact that we're settling for something. Sometimes we know we're settling for second best. Sometimes it's third best. Sometimes it's not even third best. But when you know this is exactly what God had laid out for you, it is so joyous. It is so wonderful. It is so easy. 
easy to just say, thank God. And all that waiting, all that time seems like nothing, absolutely nothing. doesn't matter one bit. Listen, when you let patience have her perfect work and you don't quit, the result you get will be worth it all. It'll be worth it, I promise you. Hallelujah. Sometimes we just, we just keep on going, it's too hard. It's just too hard. It's just too hard. I just can't keep doing this. It's just too hard. Nope, it's not too hard. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. There is a grace that will be given to you through any time of your life that you need it if you will access and depend on that grace, that divine enablement to get you from this side to the other side. Over in uh, 1 Corinthians, you're not too far away, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, one of my best, best scriptures. There's a lot of them. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There has no temptation, and I have written in my, in my Bible where that word temptation is. It says, I've written the word pressure. There is no pressure that has taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God's going to bring you through, just like he brought the people of Cornerstone through in Panama City. Can you, you can't imagine what nine months of living with electricity, maybe, water, maybe, you know, this, that, and the other, maybe. You, you and I have no concept of, of the endurance that those people have put in in the last nine months, and they've not given up, and they've not quit. You know, if, if you did, it would, it would make you just feel at home, ashamed of yourself. You know, to even think about quitting when you, when you see people like they have done over this last nine months. They've come together every Sunday. You know, and they've spent time together. You know, and they have not given up. And they have pushed, and they've pushed, and they've pushed, and they've pushed to get what God wanted them to have. Remember that quitting is not just giving in to whatever somebody just wants you to have. You know, don't settle. When you know something is yours, go after it. And don't take no for an answer. I don't care who tells you no. Keep going until you find the person who says yes. Let God say, God, connect me with the person who's going to say the right thing. Give me favor. Lead me to them. Don't quit. Don't give up. And then don't lose sight of your goal. Philippians 3. When we lose sight of the goal is when we're tempted to quit. Philippians 3. And verses 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In the middle of, of, of what looks like Oh, this is not great. This is not good. You know, it was better back. It, I had what I had was better than, than what I'm looking at right this minute because you can't see at that point what God's got for you. Listen, there's there's some people who turned around and looked back 
didn't bode well. The children of Israel looked back and went, oh, God's brought them through the Red Sea. He's provided for them. There's a pillar of cloud leading them by day, a pillar of fire by night. And you really want to turn around and go back to Egypt? Are you kidding? And yet, sometimes in the middle of God's abundance in our lives, his abundant mercy, his abundant provision, when it's just, it's just too hard on our flesh, we want to whine and go, I'm just going to go back to where I was. Don't do that. Lot, his wife, came out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was a man who was known in the city. He, had, he was a big fish in a little pond. And so she was looking. She turned around and looked back because she got out of Sodom and Gomorrah. They're going up to the mountains. They've, they've left everything behind. They have nothing. There's the clothes on their backs. The angels are getting them out of there. You know, and, she had, and she had the temerity to turn around and look back for what she was leaving, did not set well. She turned into a pillar of salt. Listen, don't turn around and look back. What's behind you is not nearly as good as what's in front of you. You just might not see it just yet. But what's ahead of you is so much better than what you had. God, there is never a time when, the, when you lose what looks like loss, when that loss is behind you, there's never time that God's not going to more than make it up to you. He will always make Don't quit. Don't give up. You know, we don't always see certain decisions as quitting, but they are. Everybody starts, but who finishes? The person who runs, who runs a marathon and crosses the finish line first is the winner. And people rejoice with the winner. The person who has a disability and finishes eight hours after the guy who crossed first, everybody rejoices with them. It doesn't matter where you finish, in what order you finish. It matters that you finish. Everybody can start, but who finishes? Listen, when you commit your life and your ways to the Lord, make sure you stay with the plan He has for you. The point at which you decide to follow your own plan is the place where you just might as well make a little sign and say, I quit. I quit. God doesn't have to follow your plan. He's not going to follow your plan. He's not going to bless your plan. All he knows is that you quit on the plan he laid out. What's God's plan for you? What's God's plan for your life? What direction is it you're supposed to take? Yeah, but it's, this is just not easy. Whoever said it was going to be easy? Nobody ever said it was going to be easy. The Word says it's doable. He always makes me to triumph. He always leads me in triumph. Always. Not part of the time, always. You know, your plan might be an easier path, but it is, it, will it be blessed like God intends for it to be blessed? Nope. I can answer that question. No, it will not. It might look like it's blessed, but at the end of your life, when you stand before God, all you've got is what those blessings look like on this natural earth because the blessings he intended for you to take into eternity is not there because you quit his plan. And when you quit 
at any point along the way. You know, there are some people who quit when they get older to retirement age. I mean, we're retirement age. Are we planning to retire? I don't think so. But there are people who just get to this place in life where, as far as the plan of God's concerned, they think, well, I'm done. I have relatives who have, who have served God all of their lives who are in their 80s and 90s and now hardly go to church. I think that's quitting. Just because you retire doesn't mean you retire from the plan of God. Just because you, you're in a different season of life doesn't give you the option of deciding to do something else other than what God has told you to do and that you know to do. Many of the time we think, well, God didn't say. Why does God need to say? It's like when my kids, you know, go, why didn't you brush your teeth? Oh, you didn't tell me to. I need to tell you to brush your teeth. God's looking down from heaven for some people tonight and going, why don't you go to church? Well, you didn't tell me to go to church. Why do I need to tell you again? It's already written down. This was a habit that you had for 50 years of your life. Why would, why would it not be the same plan? But whether you quit or not affects other people. You can't assume just because you're 75 years old that if you quit the plan of God that it's not going to affect members of your family. You can't assume that. Your quitting will affect people around you. Your staying the course will also affect people around you. And so tonight, I don't think I'm looking at a bunch of quitters. I don't think, so. I don't think there's a quitter in this room. Listen, you, you need to go back and take a long look sometimes at, at people in the Bible who had opportunities to quit and who didn't. Uh, Joseph didn't quit. Moses didn't quit. David didn't quit. Daniel didn't quit. Peter didn't quit. Paul didn't quit. Thank God Jesus didn't quit. He is our example of not quitting. Life, if you looked at it in the natural, was not easy. He did not walk through this life on, on clouds. He didn't. He suffered, he endured. Paul suffered and endured, but he did not quit. He knew what was ahead of him so many times. A lot of times you and I don't know what's ahead of us. Paul did, and he still chose not to quit. So don't you choose to quit. Don't you choose to give up. You rejoice in the Lord. In everything, give thanks. You make sure that you, when you're praying, that you, you're walking in forgiveness to people, keeping your heart clean, keeping your life pure, keeping your eyes on Jesus, following the plan of God. Be determined to not know anything but Christ and Him crucified, and you will not be a quitter. So if you're tempted to quit tonight, I want you to reconsider because God has big things in store for you. Don't settle for less than what God has in, in mind for you, what his plan is. Don't, don't settle for something today when the answer was going to be on your doorstep tomorrow. If you and I could see sometimes that the answer we had been standing for was within inches of coming to pass, and we quit. We gave up.
We said it's not worth it. We said it'll never happen. We said it's never gonna, never gonna, it's never gonna be me. It's never gonna be my time. It's never gonna be my turn. If you just understand, God's timing is perfect. Don't quit. Don't give up. His plan is the best plan. And His plan will always be full of blessing. It will always be full of provision. Amen. I'm three minutes over, but He took my minutes. Love you guys. I'm so happy to be home. You're the, be- you're the best, one- best church around. Because you're mine. <laughs> At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.